Welcome to Bound by Books, a podcast of five authors across multiple genres talking about the one thing that binds us all, books. And today, I'm Marianne Morea. Well, I'm always Marianne Morea, <laughs> but Hi. I'm Marianne Morea, joined, joined today by a fellow author and friend, Tina Moss. Hello. I have my virtual background on today, so this whole thing is going to be weird. Like, where is my hand? Oh, there we are. <laughs> yeah, I know. Same thing. Same thing. So today we're talking about conventions, about reader, writer conventions and uh, virtual versus in person because the pandemic has affected us in that way. You know, most of us were used to going to these big conventions and mingling with readers and networking with other authors and industry people. Um, but that all went away when the pandemic hit. And so some of them went virtual. And now that some of them are back in person, there's still a virtual component. So we're going to weigh the pros and cons and talk about our experiences and, uh, Maybe even let you take a peek behind the curtain with some of the things that we've done that we're not so proud of. <laughs> so, <laughs> maybe, maybe some secrets. Let some oh, secrets. Out. I've got some great convention stories because I've attended conventions both as an author and as an editor. So I've attended ah. for the the small press as well, and I have some very interesting um, stories about <laughs> attending as an editor. It is, it is a different experience than attending as an author, but both of them are fun. I do have to say, I really like the option of virtual. I know it kind of came out of the pandemic, so it came out of not a great thing. But I do think, especially for authors that can't attend in person, it's an, it's an excellent option to be able to get more people to, to attend. And, and maybe you don't have the same networking experience that you do in person, but you can attend all the panels and you can exactly. learn from them. So that's, that's a really nice thing um, to offer as well. So. Yeah, I mean, I just recently had my first experience. Well, actually, no, that's not true. Not my first experience, but because uh, I did attend InkersCon mm -hmm. virtually this year. Um, InkersCon is an industry author um, event, and, and it hasn't been in person since the pandemic hit. But um, Alessandra Tori decided she still wanted to make all the resources available, so she did it um virtually and there was no in-person component but this year um 20 books to 50k in vegas where <laughs> tina was in person and i yep. was virtually so um we're going to talk about that um tell me what happened that you know spill the tea girl <laughs> spill the tea <laughs> so nothing nothing um too crazy at this particular convention i had a really great time uh, made a lot of connections. And I do think that that's the benefit to being in person at a conference or a convention is really making those connections with your fellow authors, with, um, with industry professionals. It, it's, it's different because when, <laughs> so quick story, when you email somebody, right, it's, it's kind of easy to be able to ignore that email if you're an industry professional. But when you then see that person in person and you introduce yourself, <laughs> it's a lot harder to ignore the email because now you have a face and a name and somebody that you've actually met. Um, so there is just, just that aspect of it alone. It's the same, I think, for authors trying to go traditional of pitching an agent or an editor in person. It's, it's a lot harder to turn somebody down um when, to reject somebody when you're when you're seeing them face to face. So yeah. is that aspect the dreaded elevator pitch where you've got them cornered. <laughs> so that is, that is the story. Um, as an editor, I've, I've taken teams with me to, to conventions because of through the small press through city Isle press. Um, we sometimes go as a team and <laughs> one of my editors has gotten pitched literally in the bathroom. <gasps> no, yep, in the bathroom, <laughs> like through the door, through the stall door. <laughs> In the ladies' room, I, apparently she was washing her hands, so she, it was not like through the stall door. So there's, you know, a little small saving grace. But yeah, in the ladies' room at a convention, oh. I myself have been pitched while I was sitting on the floor packing a bag that we were um, packing up. I think it was after, gosh, I can't remember now, but after one of the tables that we did, one of our vendor tables, we were packing everything up, and I was on the floor. <laughs> 
<laughs> packing stuff up when, when a person approached me and said, hey, um, do, can I tell you about this? And it's very hard to say no. Even in that circumstance, I kind of was like pointing to the bag awkwardly and then pointing to the person. And I was like, well, not the best time. And then they immediately went into their pitch and I was like, okay, I guess this is happening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have never done an elevator pitch with anybody. You've um, never done it? Really? No, no. Um, I remember the the scariest thing I ever had to do was at a pitch of Palooza at mm-hmm. RT back in 2013, you know, pitching to the different, uh, the different editors, and, you yes. know, and you know, acquiring editors and acquiring editor assistants that were there mm-hmm. um, for some of my stories. But I have to say, I did have one, one elevator um, encounter with Angela Knight, who I happen mm-hmm. to be a fan of her mm-hmm. work. And she was in the elevator with her husband, Mike. And I was at the time, the president of the Paranormal Romance Guild. Okay, Mm -hmm. and, you know, they do reviews and and whatnot. And we had invited her uh, to to come to Undead Con with us Mm -hmm. as our special guest in New Orleans. And she had ended up having to have some surgery, what have you. So she wasn't able to go. But we took pictures. She asked us to take pictures. So I, you know, and, and text them to her and email them to her. So I'm in the elevator with her and she doesn't know me from a hole in the wall. So I said to her, I turned it and went, hi, Angela, <laughs> the poor woman. And she's so tiny. She really is. She literally backed up like two feet, like it was like, like positioning herself behind her husband. He was a big guy, you know, Mike's a big guy. And I was just like, no, no, don't be afraid. I'm Mary and Maria from the, from the paranormal romance guild. I just want to know if, if you got the pictures from the convention that you asked us to text you. So Mike looked at her and she and, and she kind of she went like this like she was like this That's so, <laughs> so funny. They're, they're just very cute together they're very cute together but he's like yes Aww. yes we got them thank you very much so anyway that's hard but too, I, was right? like, because... I felt awful I got off the oh no but it's so true because so many authors even you know very famous authors or not so much agents and editors, but I feel like authors in particular are very introverted. Like it's kind of a stereotype that authors are introverted, but you yeah. do get a lot of like timid kind of semi-scared people and, and conventions can be very, yeah. very overwhelming for, overwhelming. for that particular type. Anxiety, yep, yep. you know, I, I am what I like to call the extroverted introvert. So I am perfectly Same. fine being Same. like, super happy and in your face and yes tell me all the things like really excited um and then like after the convention was over I immediately needed to like decompress for a week um which is why I stayed with my husband in Vegas afterwards he came out to meet me after the convention was over unfortunately we are not the type of vacationers who know how to relax so we did all the things like we walked the strip and we went to the Hoover Dam and we were just constantly going so now that I'm home, I'm kind of like ready to just be by myself for a couple of days. It's a really I remember the, one of the things about in person is the same thing that we were just talking about mm-hmm. is that you have to be on all the time. All the and time. I and, you know, I likened it to when my husband asked me, well, I don't understand what you mean. And I was like, well, think of it this way. All it's all you know, you're 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 getting ready. You're doing your hair. Mm-hmm. You're putting on your makeup. You're getting your bag. You're making sure that all your stuff, your you know, the, the swag you're going to give out, you know, the, the stuff you're going to have have at a hands reach to be able to give to people, readers or industry people, business cards and have your pitches down. If you if you're going to mm-hmm. be pitching, have your 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 um, your five your five second synopsis and your 10 second synopsis and your 15 second synopsis of the, of the of your work in progress or books whatever so that you can either tell a reader or tell an editor or what have you you know you got so you're prepared and you go you, you press the elevator button and you can almost hear the theme from jeopardy behind you and you get into the you get into the, the elevator and you turn around and the door is shut and then you go mm-hmm. down and then all of a sudden the doors open and the roar from the floor on, you know, hits you and you walk out and a huge smile comes on your face and you're like, <laughs> I'm here. And you're just like, and you're on, you're, you're absolutely on. on at that point in time. So, cause then you're, and you're on for the whole day, especially if it's a yeah. reader, it's a, if it's a reader centric uh, event, you're right. on all day long 24 seven, you know, that's the trick of it too. Right. Because this was um, an industry event and we only had one day that was reader based, but the panel started at 8am. 
they ended at 5 p.m. And then you have after hours events where you're where you're going to dinner, you're going to parties, you're going to shows, you're you're really networking. So again, it doesn't matter if it's with your fellow authors or industry professionals, you're still on during those hours. Like I had a wonderful evening with some other sci-fi romance authors, um, but it's still a performance. It's still very much energy and having people around you and having to interact after you've already gone through the entire day of like learning and taking notes and networking. Now you have even something that's fun is still work. So you're constantly on. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's much harder for, for people um, in our profession who just tend to be more introverted to, to have all those hours on for so many days. Yeah. It's exhausting. I would come back to my hotel room and I would just flop on my bed and I would, you know, put on something ridiculously stupid, like, you know, my guilty pleasure, like 90 day fiance or something that like show. that, you know, that you don't, too, that you don't have to really think about. And you can throw your slippers at the, at the television saying, what is wrong with these people? You know? So, but it's the, the virtual one this time, I have to say, mm-hmm. and we were just talking before we decided to go live um, that, being virtual you're in if you're if you're doing it and it's a post video where you're just watching on youtube after the fact then Mm -hmm. you're just scribbling notes and you can stop the video and start it again and you know and and really take your time unpacking everything that they have said but if you're live if you're watching it live stream there's a chat box that's on the side of the live stream so you're interacting with everybody that is also live streaming and the mm. moderators are there, but you're not, it's, it's, it's not the same because you can ask questions in the chat that maybe mm-hmm. other live streamers will answer, but they don't get asked to the, 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 the panel or the guest speaker mm. or what have you. So it's kind of like being, like I said before, that, you know, the, that old timey image of, you know, people who didn't have television standing outside the appliance store, watching the television behind the glass with everybody else on the sidewalk. And that's kind of what it felt like. You're still seeing it, but you're not mm-hmm. getting the full experience of it, you know, and right. you're missing out on the networking and so forth. So you're there strictly for an informative person, informative reasons, you know, to be yeah. able to learn and, and hear what they have to say, what the panelists have to say and so forth. So it was good. But, you know, I think I probably would have rather had it have been uh, a Zoom, you know, where, where mm-hmm. there was a moderator that could have could have had us interacting that way. So it would almost be like a little mini convention within the convention rather right. than just a chat on the side. So so this uh, so 20 Books Vegas was good because that's the most recent one, everybody. That was the most yeah. recent one. It was good. A lot of work, but worth it. Absolutely worth it. Right. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. Um, The thing that I like about 20 books, as opposed to some other conferences, is that the organizers make it a point to keep it as inexpensive as possible. Yes. Um, So it's it's one of the the cheaper conferences in that way, but you get a ton of value out of it. Uh, Vegas, unfortunately, is not an inexpensive place to go. So I do think it's nice that they have the virtual option. They also put all of the videos on YouTube afterwards, which is almost unheard of for a convention to then give the material away for free. Um, So I really like their messaging. I really like all the things that they do for authors. They're very much um, the founders of it, who is Michael Anderley and um, who runs it, Craig Martell, are really about lifting up indie authors and also offering the perspective of the traditional side and of the industry side of it so that authors are getting a very well-rounded picture and on top of that they do have the book signing day which was a lot larger than any of us I think thought it was going to be just because of the level of advertising that was able to be done this year as opposed to other years because of the pandemic Um, we still had a really great turnout I had a wonderful experience with a reader who I had met on TikTok. So shout out to Vivi and her daughter who literally drove three hours to come and see me. And it was shocking and amazing and an experience that I will definitely remember for the rest of my life. So I do appreciate everything that these organizers have done. And I think it would be remiss of me not to give 20 books to 50K a huge shout out for that. I agree. I agree. And because they make it so um economical 
-hmm. in terms of the cost of it. Because there are some there are some conventions that you go to. I mean, RT is one of them, or at least it used to be. I mean, I, be, RT yeah. is is gone the way of the dodo now. So, but right. you, it used to cost you. Uh, upwards of between 600 and 800 dollars just to just to be there and if you wanted to do any kind of sponsorship you're talking in thousands thousands yep. of dollars in order to be able to do and then on top of that your trans your travel and the hotel mm -hmm. and your food and everything so you know it it, be, it became a very a very expensive event to attend especially if you were a new author or an aspiring author and so forth so when life circumstance got in the way and i wasn't able to at attend 20 books to 50k Vegas in person, you know, yeah, did I mind having to having to eat the $250 um, registration fee? Mm -hmm. But it wasn't like I, I lost $1,000. And right. then the fact that it's $250, I still now have access to the videos. And I did do some of the live streaming. So I feel like I got some of my money's worth in that right. respect. So um, let me ask this question, which is probably something that, you know, people want to know is when you did the book signing, aside from all the wonderful industry stuff, when you did the mm -hmm. book signing, were there a lot of readers that came? Did you did you sell decently or? There was a good amount of readers. Like I said, I was very surprised by the size of it because um they weren't able to do as much advertising this year because of the pandemic conditions and they would have in previous years. And I know already that they're going to start advertising for next year, um, like yeah, in January. I'm going to so, sign up for it. Yeah. So that's huge. And, and for the fact that the, the authors themselves, because a lot of people forget this, right? Authors are readers. Like we yeah. love books. That's why we write because we love books. So a lot of authors um, who chose not to do the signing that day, and there were a good amount who didn't sign, um, came to the signing as readers to support other authors to buy books. Mm -hmm. um, so it was it felt like a really huge camaraderie in addition to there were definitely outside readers there, but it was also nice to see people that you saw all week coming to the signing and being like, hey, you know, we had a great conversation. I'd really love to buy your book. Um, that's nice. So solidarity yeah. is always something that's a wonderful thing. You know, it's funny when I had to put the post up that I wasn't going to be attending in person, mm -hmm. a couple of the, a, a couple of the event coordinators um, were just like Erica and last, they were like, mm -hmm. um, oh my God, you're not coming. I need you to sign my anthology because I was part of the, the anthology, one of the anthologies for this. And I was like, all right, well, next year, bring it next year. I promise I'll yeah. come next year. So hopefully life won't get in the way again. But um, convention season for me is usually mm -hmm. over the summer. It usually okay. starts sometime in, in like um, in May and it goes to the end of August. Um, I have, you know, never, ever really done anything in the fall. So this is a nice thing to have to look forward to right before the craziness of the holiday season. You know, that's so, so funny because I have the opposite. The fall is the most intense um, time for me, both in terms of being an author and a publisher. Fall season is just is, is crazy. I had left for 20 books on a Sunday, but the Saturday I had done a one day local convention that Saturday oh. and then immediately left for 20 books on Sunday. So I had back to back conventions. I know a lot of people did RAM, which is Romance Authors Mastermind, um, which was virtual this year. I did not do that, but a lot of people had good things to say That's about in that. Houston in August, right? Yeah. It's Houston in August. Yeah. And I've heard amazing things about it. The only thing that I will say is that it is more like a traditional convention in terms of pricing. It's it's yeah. pricey. And it's, it's expensive. Not, it's not for beginner authors either. Mm -hmm. It's for um, mid-listers and above, really. Like you yep. have to be making some money on your books to get the most out of that conference. And um, it's mostly contemporary. It's not really paranormal. I'll tell you, yeah, at least it I, was when I was there. Yeah, I did hear that that changed this year. It did, did seem okay. to be a lot of um, paranormal representation there. But it's it's definitely not your beginner friendly uh, conference, which is which is mm -hmm. fine. You know, there's allowed to be other things out there. Yep. But just for anybody who might be thinking about it, um, make sure that you're you know making some money from your books before you invest in that particular conference. Now, industry um, mm -hmm. conventions like Romance Author Mastermind and mm -hmm. uh, Twenty Books to Fifty K. Um, I thought Carol Ritter did a. A version of RT as well, um, but I, I I don't know if it, if it's still so, around or she tried and it didn't work out or what have you. So it was Joe Carroll actually who was um, running oh, it after it was Carol RT. Ritter. Okay, all right. Carol might have been involved too, but I I had my contact was with Joe Carroll and I know she took over from there. Um, was Book Lovers Con? Okay. Now 
I heard about it running one time. I don't know if it's still running, but it switched to really heavily favoring um, traditional publishing in terms of bringing in some big names and kind of having, you know, agents and and editors pitching and and very much like a a more traditional con uh, would look. So it wasn't a big indie representation. So for, for indie authors and for, um, for, for people who are mid-listers and so forth, we have Romance Author Mastermind, mm-hmm. we have um, 20 Books to 50K, which, they, which is definitely good for indie as well as aspiring authors. Then, sure. there's, then there's Nick. Nick. Mm-hmm. which is you have to you have to sell five that if you're an if you're an indie author you have to sell five thousand um, dollars for one title over the course of a year mm-hmm. and then there's um, uh, um, romance writers of America which is the mm-hmm. other one that's industry as well and there's right. a book signing that's attached to that one kind of similarly to to the the um, 20 books to 50k although I think the book signing for RWA is charity based where right. uh, things the money goes to charity as opposed to in the author's pocket it does so mm-hmm. but reader centric ones there's a bunch of reader centric ones and, and they are so much fun at least as far as I'm concerned this is I would much rather I mean as much as I love hanging with every all my all my author peeps I the reader the reader centric ones are really really fun um, yeah. I do I do literary love um, in Savannah. Um, I've been doing that one in, in every iteration it was for like 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I, or, you know, or Orlando reads books. I've done the novel experience. I've done um, um, uh, Austin author affair. Uh, some mm-hmm. of them, they come by what they come and they go and they come and they go, but there's also space coast. There's um, ball base, right? Ball base, mm-hmm. which is the other one. What, what other ones am I missing? There's a bunch of I mean, of other there's, ones. there's honestly, there's so many from your small conventions to let's say 50 to hundred people to your comic cons, which has thousands right. and thousands of people. Right. Right. So we actually took a poll in our, um, I asked one of my authors, she was talking about conventions. I said, Hey, can you go in our author group and, you know, poll our authors and see what they want to attend. And the number one that came up that I have not yet been to was dragon con. And Dragon Con's in yeah. DC. Yeah, Dragon <laughs> Con in DC. It's in Atlanta. Um, this I think it was in DC. I thought this year. Unless no, I'm so mi- confusing it. it with Awesome Con, which was yes, the Awesome one Con is in DC. Yeah. Okay. Um, Dragon so Con is Dragon always Con in Atlanta. And awesome Con were the two that came up. The only way that I, I mean, uh, Dragon Con is almost impossible to get into as an mm-hmm. as an author. You have to you usually have to go with a group. Mm-hmm. The closest thing that I ever did with that is I was. I could have, if I wanted to, done it with Bard's Tower. You know, mm-hmm. I could have gone and done that. But there are issues with doing it with a large group with, a, with one person who's running it because they're the one who's collecting all the money mm-hmm. from all the sales and then have to disperse it to each author and take their cut. So mm-hmm. you have to make sure that your contract with them is ironclad and that they have a good reputation for prompt payout. You know, right. the, the, usually what you look, what, what I look for with things like that is if you're going to be going with an uh, with a, a convention aggregator is like what you what, what it kind of is like um, if they're going to be running it like a bookseller and that mm-hmm. you're going to get, you know, that it's going to be, you know, either a 50 50 or a 45 55 type of a type of a split and that you agree on the price of what they're going to sell your your books at and that they pay within two months, the same mm-hmm. kind of way that Amazon or draft to digital or any of the other platforms, they, they usually, it's a two month lag before you, you realize your royalties, right. you know, somebody who's going to take four, six, eight, 10, 12 months to pay you. You don't want to, you don't want anything to do with that. Okay. Right. Um, and I've actually had an experience with the, with that, with somebody who didn't pay. And I had, and to, I had to, you said an legal. aggregator for the con, but is there, so is that different from so, for example, with us, we would be going as a vendor so we could bring our authors to it's a little bit different, but there's usually as a artists, publisher, as yeah. a publisher, there's usually um, artist alley, though, is that yeah. not something there for those are usually first come first serve, but unfortunately, right. artist alley is either in the attic or in the basement, you're not on the vendor. Uh, floor. I see. So and you know so you get the overflow of people who kind of walk by and you usually get a small table like the when you mm-hmm. would get like a half table or 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 so um, I'm lucky that this year I can go to RavenCon in Virginia which mm-hmm. is like it's it's a regional Comic-Con and I because I said I was going to go with more than one author 
you know, more than just myself, I actually was able to get on the vendor floor. Oh, um, awesome. So I have a table waiting for me there with, with, you know, with extra badges if I want, you know, for people. And I said, you know, they said the table, they, they're all sold out. So they can't give me another table. So I only have the one eight foot table or six mm-hmm. foot table, whatever, but they said it can hold two authors, um, very, very comfortably. I think you could probably do three because Mm -hmm. everybody's used to having a small section. And if if you, and if you stack your books vertically, you could probably do it. Um, But they're very, being really open about it because I think they're, they're happy to be back in person. Yeah. Where they're, you know, the, the event coordinator said to me, well, if you wanted to round Robin, you know, you could have somebody come for a half an hour with their books and then swap off with somebody else, as long as there's Ooh. always somebody at the table. So I'm going to see if, you know, if anybody wants to do that with me, because Virginia That's is not great. that far from New York. Hint, hint. You know? <laughs> <laughs> We're both New Yorkers. The calendar. I yeah. actually, it, it's funny because um, so I'm meeting with our senior team on Saturday. And one of the things that I'm going to bring up is like, OK, who's where and who wants to go to which conferences and are we representing, you know, the company, which authors want to go to which conferences. So that'll be part of our, our calendar for next year. Um, and probably 2023 as well, as we start to look at conference planning. And we did this before we used to go to four to five conferences a year. And then when the pandemic hit, it was like, okay, well that's, that's completely off the table. Everything's virtual now. Yep. So So if, if I'm a reader though, right, what am I looking for in a conference? What would you say, what would be your advice to readers looking to go to a conference? What should they look for? Well, I've had experience where it's just a one day event Mm -hmm. where you pay, an author will pay as much as $250 for a table for one day. And the readers come in and it's a, it's a three or a four hour event. And it's just a book signing and maybe a, maybe a meet and greet party afterwards. And it can be either um, free for for the reader to come in or there are Mm -hmm. VIP tickets that'll cost a nominal like 25 or $35 for you to come in. And that depends if there's somebody there that you really, really are jonesing to meet. Mm -hmm. But for me, if I'm a reader, I'm looking for an event that's on over the course of a weekend, like a Thursday, yeah. Friday, Saturday. All right. And, uh, and a breakfast on a Sunday or some kind of a thing on a Sunday before everybody disperses and goes home. Mm-hmm. Something that has meals included, something that has a, a, you know parties included, mm-hmm. um, that they have uh, re, uh, author sponsored events mm-hmm. that don't cost you extra um, giveaways. You know, like like uh, one of them that I go to always has baskets that authors uh, donate, you know, with their Mm -hmm. books or some other kind of um, swag or what have you. And the proceeds of that go to an animal shelter, a local animal shelter. So people Mm -hmm. like to do things like that. Um, uh, I've, I've sponsored, um, haunted ghost tours, you know, like where I get, you know, have a, you know, hire a hurt, you know, one of those open aired hearses, you know, for the (laughs) night. And I take six readers with me, you know, or, or, or seven readers with me and I'm the eighth person and we all pile into the hearse and then they take you around the haunted places in Savannah or new Orleans or what have you. And those are always really fun. Um, So that's, that's what I would, if, if, if as a reader, that's what I would be interested in is something that I would get my money's worth where the registration fee is, in line with like what, what you and I were talking like between, you know, like around 250 or $300. Mm-hmm. And that, that includes your dinner, you know, like at least two dinners and two right. lunches. And then like, uh, for me, I love the fact that there's always a ball, like for yeah. the, the literary love always has a ball on Saturday night. Um, mm-hmm. Orlando reads books always has a ball. And it's usually, well, it's either author, um, an author or a group of authors sponsors it. And there's a theme, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. so it's a lot, it's a lot of fun because you get yeah. to play dress up too, you know, which is yeah. great. I think it's important too, that if it's an event where it's just a book signing, book signing should be free for readers. Like there's no yes. reason, unless it's a charity donation, there's really no reason for readers to be paying to go to a book signing alone. Now, obviously there are tons of different types of events. Um, I do also would say to, if you're a reader to look for the ones with the parties because the parties are a lot of fun. There are events yep. where authors um, play different games. One of yep. the things that I used to love when RWA did their national conferences was um, Heather Graham, usually sponsored like a carnival type night mm-hmm. and they would have yep. all different table games where readers could come and try to win prizes. I thought that was very clever and fun. Yep. There's yep. always a sponsored uh, night where it's a different event, whether it's a ball or, or it's um, I think the karaoke. last one I went to was a yeah karaoke um, was like a steampunk 
theme mm-hmm. and it was phenomenal. Yep. yep. So yeah, you definitely want to get your money's worth and make sure that it's not that if you're a reader that you're not attending an industry event, or if you are attending an industry event that you're just attending the book signing day that is free, or if it's a mix between industry and reading, because sometimes they have those types of events too. At RWA was definitely right. uh, one right. of them. Yeah. So, yeah. Orlando reads Orlando's reads books has that too. They have they usually Thursday, Friday, and Saturday are the event days. And mm-hmm. that Thursday is usually the industry day industry. For, all uh-huh. the, for the, for the, you know, and for uh, networking and for classes and so forth for people who are either aspiring to be authors or already authors. Um, and then Friday and Saturday are when the parties hit and, and then Saturday <laughs> afternoon is the, is the book signing. And then Saturday night is the big ball and it's a lot of fun. Um, it's so, that's what I would look for as well. Um, the ones like I, I'm si- I've signed up to do um, uh, getting witchy and getting witchy in Salem in mm-hmm. 2023. And yep, so I know it sounds like it's a million, it's a million miles away, a million <laughs> years away, but um, that is just an event for, it's, it's just a book signing, but there are VIP mm-hmm. tickets and the, what comes with the VIP tickets. And I think this is one of the things that I, I, is good is that they give readers an incentive because you're getting a bag a chock full of stuff that authors have donated that they're mm-hmm. giving away. So you're not getting nothing. You know what I mean? You're right. getting something for your money. If it's $25, you're getting more than $25 worth of stuff because there's, you know, all kinds of, of swaggy things in there. There's water bottles, there's books, there's, um, uh, you know, I don't even know what, you know, it's like <laughs> you can put anything in there. So. Right. But, and that uh, makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, what is the, what is the, the, craziest one you've ever been to oh craziest one i mean comic-con is insane new york comic-con is um an event in itself and obviously it's not a reader-based event it's kind of uh in tangent i would say to our industry but there's certainly (laughs) authors who attend um but it's just it's massive it's the scale of people and the things going on are it's a little bit bigger than i actually prefer I, I don't, yeah. I've been to Comic-Con several times and I can't say that I'm like, yay, Comic-Con again. It's more like, ooh, <laughs> Comic-Con again. <laughs> it's yeah. a little too much for me. Uh, what about I you? Did, I think the craziest one I've ever been to is the same as New York Comic-Con. I did it yeah. in 2018. I worked Sherilyn Kenyon's booth mm-hmm. um, and she was really cool about letting me bring my own books. Nice. And she gave, it was myself and it was Quincy Allen. We were the mm-hmm. we were the two authors that were helping her out, and she gave us one third of her booth to set oh. up our books and do our spiel as readers came by to 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 meet her and to talk to her and so forth. So that was a lot of fun, but it was exhausting. It was yeah. absolutely exhausting, and crazy. I mean, <laughs> but the costumes were worth it. The pe- people really go all out. Oh, they're that incredible. Was, yeah, they're incredible. I mean, they, I think people work on those costumes for an entire year ahead of time from for one sure. event to another. So but that was crazy. And of course, you know, New York City being New York City, it's always getting there is always a, a always an interesting thing, especially <laughs> when they close the only subway that goes straight yeah. to the convention center. So you have to walk blocks and blocks and blocks. So you see hordes of people in all these costumes <laughs> to, crossing the street like like there's been an invasion. <laughs> Right. And if you're not from the area, Comic-Con, New York Comic-Con, rather, takes place at the Javits Center, which is near nothing else. (laughs) It's it's blocks and blocks and blocks long. It's huge. (laughs) (laughs) Like you think you can get anywhere on the train in New York City. And and for the most part, it's true. But like there, you just can't get there easily. So you're you're walking quite a bit. So closing the seven was uh, the seven train was not a good thing. You know, Yeah, it's brutal. So. Anyway, um, so anything else you want to you want to say? Do you want to yeah. tell tell the tell our tell our amazing peeps watching? <laughs> so I would say also um, to think about what would be the best advice that you would give somebody who's introverted or suffering from anxiety or um, social anxiety, especially who wants to attend a conference. Like, what would be your best advice for them? Um, well. I'm like you. I am an extroverted introvert. 
Um, but I think I slant a little more of like, you know, towards the extroverted because it's easy for me to talk. You know, mm -hmm. I don't have no problem talking to people um, when I'm on. Mm -hmm. I, my advice to somebody who suffers from social anxiety or is, is extremely shy, introverted person is to make sure that you have a pal that can be on like me or yeah. you that can help <laughs> you um, deflect you know, if somebody's, mm -hmm. if somebody's, if there's too many people clamoring that they can kind of, you know, redirect the crowd. Um, <laughs> I have a, 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 an anecdote from when last time I was in Vegas, which was at the novel experience, I, I and two other authors sponsored a pub crawl. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the other authors is um, a, she was very much an extroverted introvert like me, mm -hmm. but for some reason just what got overwhelmed. And the other one was very, very much an introvert. And the two of them both bailed. And the one that oh, was a, no. that was an extra, really, really introverted. I mean, I could, you could see the sweat beads on her forehead because we had like 20, like 20 or 25 women that decided they wanted to do this pub crawl. And in oh Vegas, God. anytime you get a bunch of raucous people <laughs> together, it always is like a magnet goes off and everybody who wants to join the party. Next thing you know, you have this horde with you following <laughs> you from pub to pub to pub and bar to bar to bar. Right. So I ended up having to, there were a couple of authors that came along just to kind of see what was going on. And I, I'm sorry, but I conscripted them. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry, you have now been drafted. You are now going to be a sponsor of this and help me, you know, uh, it was like hurting cats. So, oh, that's that's so, a, funny. so, but it was a lot of fun, but that was, that would be my only advice is make sure that you have somebody that you know well enough mm -hmm. to be able to kind of pal around with that would help take the pressure off, you know, that could, that, and, and take breaks, pace yes. yourself, take breaks. What about you? What would be your advice? I mean, that's fantastic advice. I think also just like, know your own limits. Like not every point in your life, are you going to be able to go to a con like that? Start small, go to a one day yeah. conference, something that's going to be more comfortable for you where you can kind of test the waters and then work your way up because like I'm a ham and I yeah. love to, to chat with people and I'll go up to a perfect stranger and say hello and start talking. Um, yep. but that also took years to, to work up to, I wasn't yes. like that in my twenties. Like I was yep. definitely, um, not somebody who, who was going to do that. I was much more shy and I think that's okay. As long as you're just very, you know, aware of your own boundaries and what your needs are, especially if you're suffering from social anxiety, yes. I feel like a con is going to be a nightmare for you. So maybe try virtual first now that you have that option get all of the yep. learning that you can out of it. And then if you're looking to go to a con for networking purposes, bring a buddy hundred yeah. percent. I think that's great advice. Bring, yep. bring your extroverted buddy, drag him yep. along and use him like a shield. Absolutely. <laughs> and I have to say one of the things that I noticed that this year, that, that the in-person conventions that I did was they were very aware of people's um, personal bubbles because yes. of the pandemic and that, you know, there were different um, wristbands that they had that depending on the color and everybody was aware of what the three levels were. There was a, you mm -hmm. know, like if you had a certain color, you know, color wristband, you were up for hugs and, you know, come on, bring it in baby, you know? And yep. then there was other ones where you were okay with a handshake, you know, with permission. And the right. other color was like six feet, please. You know, yep. so it's and I, I think that was really terrific that the event coordinators are being very um, proactive about about yeah. respecting people's personal boundaries in that respect. So, I mean, and that was something that I was definitely not familiar with. I, I'm a hugger by nature. And a quick story when I met for, in person a friend of mine that had been a friend of mine online for many, many years. I was so excited to meet her that when I saw her, I kind of did like this running, flying tackle hug thing. Cause I was just that excited. And she was not a hugger and I felt horrible. Like what, what should have been this very exciting experience getting to meet in person for the first time turned into this like awkward situation. And obviously we got past it, but it didn't need to be that. And it, it was because of my own, you know, inability to be aware of those boundaries. And it was something that I had to learn. And now I'm like, every time I walk up to somebody, I'm like, are you okay with hugs? <laughs> Cause I'm yeah. a hugger. If you're not, yeah. it's okay. <laughs> yeah. I actually had, uh, I actually had the gal that taught me how to do Bonnie Paulson taught me, um, uh, you know, uh, about 
Facebook ads and so forth. You know, she's she's from you know the Midwest and whatnot. And when I was there, you know, I'm all like masked up and you know, and I have my my ask permission buffs, you know, uh, right. bracelet on. And she looked at me and she goes. I'm a hugger. Are you okay with a hug? Can I give you a hug? And I was like, uh, yeah, okay. And she's like, you know, so she's like, come here and, you know, give me a bear hug. But you get used to it. And then you start to relax. You feel your shoulders mm-hmm. kind of falling and, you know, out of your ears and so forth. But pace yourself. Because even people who are, who, who have taught, uh, taught themselves to be as extroverted as you and I can still become overwhelmed, you 100%. know, and, you know, you have to be able to, to realize, okay, I need a half an hour just to kind of go and sit with a cup of tea or to go back to my room and take my shoes off and, you know, massage my toes because I've been walking around all day, you know, make a phone call, talk to somebody from home or what have you, or just close your eyes and sit and breathe, you know, that type of a thing. So then you can prepare yourself and it's like, you have to get yourself into the Zen place so that you can explode out of yourself. That actually happened to me too. It was, I think it was the third day of the con. And it was the last panel of the day. And I had sat down, um, there was rows of tables and there were three ladies around me and they were all having a conversation and, and perfectly lovely, but I had hit the wall and I was just like in my own head and I, I didn't say anything. Like they tried a couple of times to engage me and I just, I didn't, I didn't say a word. Um, and after the panel was over, I kind of snapped out of it and I turned them in and I said, I am so sorry. I did not mean to come off rude. I was just having a moment. And they were all just perfectly lovely and understanding about it because they all know what it's like to just, yep. you know, you're, you're in it. And sometimes you just have a moment where you're totally overwhelmed and need that quiet space and, and you're in the middle of people. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yep. I mean, we had a, we had a name for it. We used to call my, my, my author group that goes to these conventions with me, we call it Concrud. Okay. Yes. It's not just, it's not just coming, you know, you know, the, the exchange of germs, you know, <laughs> but it's, it's the, it's the crud that's that, that kind of corrodes your, your head and your soul because mm-hmm. you're out there, you know, you're, it's almost like you're in a, you're an exposed nerve yes. uh, for, for three or four days or even longer, depending on the event. And then when you get back home that you, you, you kind of have to, you know, have that membrane reabsorbed into <laughs> so that you can so yeah concrete is a real thing you know where you just you feel a little drained you do you feel drained sometimes it causes me to have writer's block you know Uh, well not writer's block but but it it, where where all my creative juices and all my my energies have gone into this convention preparing Mm -hmm. for it doing it and then coming down from it that i need to regroup i need to refill my well in order Mm -hmm. to be able to sit down and write you know and that's me too a hundred percent i was planning to take um, a few days at the end of October after my last release before I started on the new book and I was going to start November 1st. I did not. I haven't written a word because all I've been thinking about is the first conference and then, of course, the long conference. Um, So I have not written at all, which I'm perfectly okay with, to be quite honest, because it was so um, mentally draining. It was invigorating. Mm -hmm. I learned a ton. I got to meet wonderful people. But it was also definitely draining. And I just yeah. kind of feel like I need yeah. to relax a little bit. I need my mind to calm before I can jump back into the creative process. And that's the only other, other advice I can give people who are looking to go to conventions is that besides pacing yourself, be kind to yourself. Be kind. Yes. You know what I mean? When you get back from this event, realize that it has, that it is work. Mm-hmm. And that it is work on steroids. And that you need to <laughs> you need to be able to rejuvenate yourself to the point where you can be creative again. Now, some people jump right in. Some people are like, Woo-hoo! and they just, you know, they can, they can type away, you know, based on know. what's going on. And some, some people, people are nanoing. I was like, I know, I know. Some people, they write while they're in convention, but then again, if you're holed up in your room writing, you're missing. Yeah. You're missing out. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I have a personal rule of thumb whenever I, whenever I will have a deadline up until convention season really kicks off and that's, that's it. Smart. Why, you know, my, my books go to the editor at a, a minimum of three weeks minimum from from the time that the convention has to be so that if I, you know, and it has to be super uber polished and so forth. So if it goes, it gets two passes and then it gets published so that I could either debut it at that event mm-hmm. or 
you know, or the day that the day of the event or during the event, I can debut it. But other than that, no, I don't do any, I, I, I can't write while I'm in, yeah. while I'm in event mode, while I'm in convention mode. So, you know, you have to, I, and I don't plan any, any deadlines for afterwards because then it becomes a chore and writing should never, for, for an author, writing should never be a chore. It should never be something that you feel like, oh my God, now I have to do. And there's your muse with a gun to your head saying, do this, you know? Right. So at least that's and my think, and just my a little, opinion. you know, uh, side note to that, because I know a lot of um, advice that gets thrown out there is to write every day. I don't like this advice. I like the advice of develop a good writing routine mm-hmm. um, and to know yourself, because some people I spoke to several authors who are, you know, they're just they don't write every day. They write in these huge bulks of like 5,000 words on a weekend or in a day. And they write for X amount of days and then they take X amount of days off. And that's their process and it works for them. So find your process. Find your process. Yeah. And don't be so hard on yourself if you're right. at a convention and suddenly you're like, oh my God, I have to write because you're, you've heard this you know, mantra of write every day. Um, no, you're working and you're working really hard and you're also allowed not to work you're also allowed to take days off and to relax. So just just be aware of that as well, because I, I, like I said, I just get a little nervous when we're, we're dictating something, especially to newbie authors of like, this is the way, and this is how it must be. Yeah. Um, Because it's not true. No, everybody has a different process. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and what works for one, like Amanda Lee, you know, she writes her code, you know, paranormal code, witchy cozy mysteries. She writes on average 10,000 words a day. It's yeah. just the kind of it's just the kind of the, the way the kind of writer that she is. She comes from a journalistic background. She was a reporter. So right. words are her thing. And she's you know, and she has the training from being in a busy, you know, uh, 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 reporter room. I don't know what the hell it's called. Copy room, whatever, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, with with people, you know, phones ringing and people talking around you and so forth. And she still had to make a deadline, still had to do her byline. So she's trained herself to be able to do that. And she mm-hmm. writes, you know, she writes almost every day and, and she's got a backlog of books that are prepared ahead of time and whatnot. She is who I want to be. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, that's what I aspire to, to be that organized and to be able, but I will never be able to write 10,000 words a day. I'll just want, I just, yeah. the mo- my personal best is eight. And that was with me crying while I was doing it because yeah. it was, I had a deadline, you know, so. And you just don't want to get to that point where you're feeling no. burnt out. And, and some of the, like I said, this is not everybody, but some of the advice that I did hear was like, you know, get less hours of sleep and get up early and, and, you know, forego X, Y, Z. And I'm like, no, no that's, that's not no. life. That's not living. No. First of all, nope. yeah, you should get as much hours of sleep as your body needs. And that's going to be different for everybody. But, um, I'm a good yeah. eight to nine hour kind of girl. Like I need my sleep. Like, no, I'm, and I am the least productive person at 5am. There is no way in heck that I would be able to write at 5am. There's many people that do, but that I Danielle am. Danielle a- Bannister is up girl, at five o'clock in the morning and does it. Go for I, it. I'm still drooling on my pillow at five go, o'clock in the morning. I am a night owl. You know, I named the company city owl for a reason. I am, I'm a night person. I could never I, even if I'm awake at 5 a.m., there is no way my brain is functioning enough to write at 5 a.m. So, yeah. it, but if I had heard that advice as a, as a younger author of like, you know, you must get up early and write before the sun rises, I, I would feel really depressed. See, I ha- I'm, I'm a morning person more so than a night person, um, but I couldn't do it at five o'clock in the morning. I mean, if mm-hmm. I'm up and, and the house is quiet and it's like 7.30, 8 o'clock in the morning, I'll get my coffee and I'll sit down at my, my computer and I will write then. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, and I do my best work because I'm most creative, I think, in the morning, in the early afternoon. But then I hit a wall and I got to take mm-hmm. a break. And then all of a sudden, if I'm up, and I'm, and I'm awake. Like if I've had a cup of coffee at, you know, eight 30 or nine o'clock, it's all of a sudden 11 o'clock. I'm like, okay, words, <laughs> words, words. So, you know, and I'll, and then I'll write until like one or two o'clock in the morning, but then I'll crash the next day. Yeah. So uh, my, I, my only advice, I think when it comes to that is, you know, know yourself, know your limits, both for conventions and in your everyday writing life, treat it like a business. Um, people who work, you know, whether they work shift work or they work, you know, a job where they can work from home, you, there, there's downtime. You take time for lunch. Mm-hmm. There's a quitting time. You know, just because you're sitting in front of your computer in your own living room doesn't mean that you're chained to it. 
you know, right. give yourself, give yourself, you know, uh, a, you know, a, a time slot that, you know, like you said, uh, uh, what, what, did, how did you, what did you call it? Know your process and, and, and a work ethic, you know, a, yeah. a writing ethic, you know, to be able to do something every day, whether it's, you know, whether it's words or whether it's doing marketing or learning something new or read, mm-hmm. you know, use your down because reading is important for an author, authors who don't read really are, are, are putting themselves at a disadvantage. Right. And I know that we're getting a little off topic, but just to jump into that on one last point, some authors don't read in the genre while they're writing it. But I really do recommend, especially if you're writing genre fiction of any kind, that you should read widely within that genre so that you are aware of what readers want, what the tropes are, what the common trends are. And you can break them if you want to but you should be aware of them and know them. And that's one of the things that I did for um, my sci-fi romance when I decided to make the move from paranormal to sci-fi is I read, I don't know what I'm up to now, but at the time I read over 140 books in that genre before I ever put one word on the page. But the the operative words that you used was beforehand. Yes. Beforehand. I don't recommend reading in that genre while you were actively writing, because you can have undue influence in that respect, but finish your books, do your research, finish your books, and then write it. You make, and make notes, deconstruct a book, take a book and deconstruct it. And someone that, one that's, that's very successful, see what Mm -hmm. the, you know, see what the pacing is and what they've put in it and so forth. So yeah, we're totally off topic from conventions. So (laughs) it's okay. And learning so Yeah, but the conventions for authors are a lot besides networking. They're about learning. So any way that you can learn is another way that you should. Yes. Yep. I mean, I have a I have a meme that's up on my on my Facebook page. That's a a picture of uh, Nora Roberts holding up a whiteboard that says anybody tells you that there's there's um, that there's one way to write is full of shit, basically, (laughs) you know, so and it's true. That's true. And that's the perfect place for us to end because I can't yep. think of anything better than yep. a Nora Roberts meme. So yep. thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Marianne, for hosting today and join us every week, Monday, 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Check us out on our website for all the details about all the hosts and all of our previous podcasts. You can watch us on YouTube and stream us wherever podcasts are streamed. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Bye-bye.